Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Lights, Camera, Sports podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri, and it's time for another Minutes with Mew. Scott Buchan from Learfield Boston College Radio Network joins us um, as we recap Boston College, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh defeated BC 24-16. to Before I get into all that, I'd like to remind everybody, if you're a BC football fan, you got to join the BC Football Gridiron Club. That's bcfootballgridiron.com for more details. They have a pregame tailgates, gathering, email, newsletters, auction items, parking spots, you name it. The Boston Football, Boston College Football Gridiron Club is the spot to be. All right, with that, we bring in Scott Mutrin. Uh, BC, we mentioned it at the top, 24-16, they fall to Pittsburgh. BC now 6-5 and five overall, 3-4 and four in conference play. Oh, Scott, big one. Uh, we were talking a little bit before. Just this one was a tough one to take. I think just big picture-wise for me, BC was 6-3. and three. Then these two wins, Virginia Tech, excuse me, two losses of Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh, ACC losses, one home, one and away. It just changes the complexion of the season. The best you can do now is 7-5 and five for the regular season. I just think that's a big drop-off from eight or even nine wins. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you're extremely frustrated on, I think, many levels when you see – you know, Virginia's that game where they just their, their inability to, to make some some stops on defense and then turn the football over, and then again, this you know this week you, you get two turnovers again, one brutal interception on the one yard line, which just it's, it's really tough to have red zone turnovers. They're almost like double turnovers. Obviously, the last interception at the game, but he's really been turning the ball over too much at this level uh, at this rate and. You know, you're facing a third-string quarterback that, that came in. They, they expected, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a little different type of game plan. They came up. It was moving the ball a little bit earlier. BC settled down. But their inability to just capitalize on drives and just making small, subtle mistakes. And and the, and the problem is, is, like, you watch this game, and, and I was telling you before, it's tough watching on TV versus being there because I think you get a different perspective. But – you watch early in the game, and you see the nerves. Um, you know, you kind of see the nerves of of Yarnell coming in because he ends up being 11 for 19 for 200 200 yards. But his first three throws were off his back foot, laid over the middle of the field, and BC missed on a couple opportunities to get interception. Like if you can get an interception on one of those first couple of throws. Then you send him back, his confidence is shot, and then BC can you know, hopefully capitalize on that. They're just not able to make a play on the ball. And some of that is there's a lot of different guys back there in the secondary. Cole Batson was out. Um, you know, you're missing the guy who's been back there the whole year. There's had some injuries in that back end. Elijah Jones being out too. Um, it's just it's, it's frustrating because you see the opportunity they could have had to really maybe start the game off on that way. And, and then just – you know, first drive, they looked really good, then stall in the red zone. Would have been great to get a touchdown there, right? There's just so many little things that, that, that just didn't click for them. 
Um, we could talk about a couple of calls that went against them as well, but just a frustrating game because they moved the ball and they ran it, you know, very well. I thought, even though I think, even though it wasn't like as you as you look at the like yards per carry, I think they averaged three and a half yards per carry. Exactly. Um, yes, they did. Yeah, one hundred fifty four yards total. Ty Robichaud had another great key average five. And you got to see the problem is with that number's worth misleading is that you get some sacks, and there were six sacks. I think they gave up a year's worth of sacks versus Pitt. So they had some problems with that pass rush. So that, yeah, there was it was just frustrating to watch on so many levels because I felt that was the game that they should have won on many levels. And they just didn't capitalize on it. And the you know red zone turnovers, inability to capitalize in the red zone. It's just some of those things are really, really important to winning. And, and DC just wasn't able uh, to get it done. And, and you know, they, they, they get a field goal to get it, you know, to get it to a one-score game where, excuse me, a one-point game where it's 17 to 16 and you need to stop and then Pitt, you know, breaks off a huge run for a touchdown. Like, just all those little things that just added up that just didn't go their way that you're watching that game feeling very – as I tweeted uh, that night, I feel I felt very dead inside because it was just really hard. It was just one of those games I really, really expected them to win. Yes, no question about it. Pick coming in two and eight, no doubt about it. Uh, I'd like to tap into your knowledge as a QB, Thomas Castellanos. You talked about that interception at the one. We've seen that throughout the year. To what? What is? I guess take us into his head. What is he not doing right that that, that happens? Is he just not seeing the field? You think as a sophomore? Yeah, I think I think some of it is obviously we've talked about in the last couple of podcasts is the ability to, to make adjustments to what defenses are doing to you. The other thing is he I think he's getting a little bit of tunnel vision, especially on the interception on the goal line. His read there is is he's got they're doing a little pump fake go screen where they're sending a guy up the middle up the seam. So when that comes off and you that pump you make that pump fake, the first thing you've got to do is find out where that safety is in the middle of the field because he's there. And Thomas just didn't look for that safety, and he threw it, like, right right where that safety was. Safety made a good play, don't get me wrong, but sometimes when you're taking those shot plays, you get a little bit of tunnel vision and you kind of lock in on guys. And that's part of being a young receiver, a young quarterback that's struggling is that you, your, your vision gets a little narrow because you just want it to be, you want it to work, you want it to work. You're hoping the plays called that are going to be there. They're going to be open. You're going to be able to hit them. But you got to be able to see everything. You got to kind of just gain some composure and and, and see the whole field and, and and make those plays. But yeah, those 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 turnovers are, are costly, and that's what's really hurt the Eagles in these last couple of weeks. Is there's just been too many turnovers, and when you had the losses that you've had on defense um, due to injuries in these last couple of games, it's really just kind of making the margin for error, as I've said, a lot, a lot smaller for the Eagles, and, and they just couldn't overcome them this weekend, uh, this Friday, Thursday, sorry. And then how do you grade out the offensive line? Obviously, they ran the ball pretty well. I think they were just rushing-wise, Robichard, 118 yards, 24 carries. They just missed that breakout run. You know, it came close a couple times. But how do you grade out the offensive line? Because they allowed a lot of sacks, too. So it's a mixed bag there. Yeah, it was probably the worst that they've played pass protection-wise. Um, it, it's tough on the TV angle to kind of see because if you don't see what the routes are and what's happening downfield, like there's there's three things that contribute to sacks, right? One is the obvious, missing a block of the, up front of the offensive line. Two is the quarterback either holding on to the ball 
or, you know, escaping to where the offensive line's blocking, which sometimes happens, right? Like, if you're a tackle, you're taught to, to if you got an outside speed rush guy, you're going to run him upfield. Quarterback's got to step up into the pocket, right? And if he steps out and runs into where they're blocking him, well, that's on the QB. Or if they send pressure and the pressure comes and they don't have enough guys to block the pressure, the quarterback's got to get the ball out, right? So those, that's the second part. The third part is separation from the wide receivers. Like, they need to be able to create some separation, um, and they need to be able to, you know, to get open for the quarterback to deliver the football. So I couldn't see all of that, so I can't really knock the the offensive line for all six of them or how many of them there were because I didn't, you know, I didn't have a really good view just from the television as to what they were. But I would say, past, you know, just from looking at it, you'd be dis- they'd be disappointed in six sacks for sure. And then offensively, you know, you mentioned two turnovers in the red zone, but what's the big picture reason? You know, I'm seeing a theme here where BC's able to get down into the red zone and just can't convert to six points. They have to settle for three. Um, just what do you think? What's that mindset? What gives you over, gets you over the hump to get in the back of the end zone? Well, the biggest issue is penalties. They had penalties when they get down there, right? And then a, a, a terrible holding call on Ozzy Trapillo. Like, it's a bad call. It's, anything is you know, it's a legal hands to the face by the defender who had literally has his hand in, in Ozzy's face. And Ozzy can't see, and he's locked in on the guy, right? And I know we've talked about this before, and I, I've talked about it on the broadcast a million times. I don't know what holding is. I don't know what pass interference is, and I don't know what targeting is anymore. I really don't. Well, I mean, there was one targeting by BC that was obvious. <laughs> that was The most it. obvious targeting call in the history of the world. Um, but I, I just don't get it. And at that point in time in the game, when you got a stalemate and you got a guy with a hand in the face, either it's, it's, it's both or none. And to call that, and then you, when Castellano probably got in, because if they would have reviewed it, I think he got in. So you take a touchdown off the board, which would give them the lead, and then put it at second and 17 in the red zone, like it's, it's a totally different play call. Like it's a totally different, especially when you're a team that's running it as well as BC was that it, it, it's, those are the things that kill you, especially in the red zone where you got to settle for field goals. And you just watch, there's just stalling, whether it's a drop pass, whether it's a sack, they had a couple sacks in the red zone, penalties, just mit, drop ball, like a couple of them that were just, uh, you know, a shot play. There's a shot play early in the game where Joe, like Joe Griffin breaks to the post and had nobody on him and, they, and Thomas missed him. Like, there's just the... Lately, there's just been that little bit of off that once they get in there, because that's when you, it's condensed. You got to really focus. You got to tighten up in that area because the defense has less ground to defend. So you really got to be sharp in your execution there, and they just haven't been the last couple weeks. And then BC defensively too. Uh, you know, a lot of breaks uh, there, and the especially in the secondary. Obviously, the backbreaker was Rodney Hamden's 66 yard run. Uh, to make it 24-16. What did you see from the whole defensive unit, Scott? Yeah, some some missed tackles. Missed tackles in critical situations, right? There's a difference between third and six and third and 11, right? And you're able – and when you get in space one-on-one with a guy, you got to make a play, especially on the back end. It's not easy, man. I don't – I wouldn't – want to be a, a secondary player because you're one-on-one and you got to make a tackle against a very athletic uh, player. It's, it's not easy. And I just think 
I just think they've just been missing some big tackles at times that could really change down in distance and then allow big plays. And when you see the when you see the touchdown play, the you know the ceiling touchdown, it's just an, as someone's in position to make a play at the point of attack and just miss the tackle. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Yeah, no question about it. And going, looking now towards uh, Miami, you know, what, what's some keys? They got Miami played pretty well versus Louisville. Um, what do you think there? Quick week? No, well, not really quick week. They played Thursday, Friday game coming up. But uh, the holiday, a lot going on here. Uh, BC, Miami this Friday. Yeah, it's a quick week for Miami because they played on Saturday. That's a you know tough loss for them. They, they were playing well most of that game. They had Louisville on the ropes. They move the ball well. They're, they're athletic, man. Holy moly, they can run it and they can throw it. You know, obviously Tyler Van Dyke started the year off, got pulled, is playing now again. He looks pretty good. I, I've always liked him as a quarterback. Uh, Miami is going to be tough. Miami's tough. They're very, they're very athletic in the uh, perimeter, very athletic in the, in the running back, and a decent offensive line. So the BC's got a lot on their plate for this game. I think Miami, you know, both teams are six and five, probably not where they want it to be. Uh, but seven and five sounds a whole lot better than six and six. You know what I mean? So I, I really think that uh, it, it, they need to have a really sharp defensive game against Miami, and then offensively, they're going to need to move the ball. They're going to need to run the ball, and they're going to need to. Their key to win on offense is don't turn the football over, right? And hit on the play on the explosive plays when they present themselves. That's going to be a key. And then defensively, it's just tackle and make plays in space and force Miami to to go the long way like they did versus Georgia Tech and Haynes King, right? Haynes King and that Georgia Tech offense relies on explosive plays. BC did a good job, minus two, of keep uh, two big plays, of keeping them in front uh, in front of them and making them like go on long, sustained drives where you know mistakes can happen. So. Those are going to be the two themes that BC really needs to do on Friday to, to get to seven wins. But it's going to be tough. Yeah, BC six and five. Just talk big picture. BC was six and three. Now they're six and five. Just mentally, where do you think the players are at? Do you think they care really, or are they just trying to get to the bowl game? And you know, for me personally, let's put it this way: if I was a player, I'm a little bit of a letdown. I, nine wins and eight wins sounds a lot better than seven wins. Um, so without a doubt, and with the chances, they know that. You know, Your bowl game, too, is a lot lesser quality. Yeah, right. But you know kind of going you know, going into it, those last two games, that if things play out, you had a chance to potentially play for an ACC championship if you went out and take games, right? Yes. The path and everything. Now, obviously, it, it wouldn't have been, but like going into this 8-3 and three the, is a way better. The path game. took a left-hand turn. <laughs> yeah, it did. It's... But, you know, in the end, it's, you only get – Twelve, and if you play in a bowl game, thirteen opportunities to play after all the work you do uh, to get ready for the season. I think that's the, for football, which makes it so unique versus basketball, baseball, and even hockey. Is those seasons you're playing multiple games a week that you have to be able to quick and turn it over. When you only get thirteen chances, man, you're and playing with your brothers, it's 
want to uh, enjoy as, as much as you can because you only have those small amount of opportunities. So I, I get it, and you know, can they be frustrated? Maybe, but you know, this is all, and every team's different year to year. So this is like your last, you know, couple chances to play with these guys. So everyone's going to move on and do different things. That you, you try to take advantage and enjoy it as best you can. Some guys may have opportunities to play at, at a higher level. Uh, there's just a lot going on. So you got to focus on this and then get, get ready for the bowl game. And then, of course, you know, the season ends, you get a week off, and then the transfer portal opens. So there's just so many things that are going on right now that, um, you know, you just got to be able to, to keep yourself present and in the moment and enjoy this, this last week. You know, spend a little Thanksgiving with the team and then, you know, end your regular season on Friday and then, you know, think about where you're going to be next. Yeah, no question about it. So much happening. Senior day as well. A lot, lot happening there. It should be, you know, fun day. ABC, national TV, day after Thanksgiving. Still a lot of good exposure as well. Uh, before I let you go, Scott, got to ask you, Dino, Bob Baber's out at Syracuse. What do you think about that? Yeah, not surprising, um, considering the last couple of years, the struggles that they've had there. And, you know, I've seen some, some comments on stuff about how tough it is to play, recruit, win at Syracuse um, with their NIL efforts, with their ability to recruit. Um, yeah, it's been tough for, for Dino Baber. It's had some athletic teams there. They've had some unfortunate injuries uh, as well. That's the part of uh, that's the part of college football is how to handle uh, how to handle the injuries and, and overcome them. But they just they just weren't able to win on a consistent enough level. He's been there, what, eight years? Is that right? Right around there, got, yeah. Right around yeah, there. He's gotten got a lot of time, and he had a good second or third season, but just hasn't been able to, you know, recreate that magic that he had early in his in his tenure there. And, you know, those teams are always unique in where he recruited and, and the type of players he recruited, so... You know, and plus people catch up. That offense now is like it's the norm. Where he came to Syracuse, it was still kind of new. Where it's, it's tempo, tempo, run the you know run the ball quick, get the ball out of the quarterback's hand quick, and allow athletic people to make plays in space. But when people kind of match up scheme wise to you, or they make the adjustments to the type of offense you're running, what's your what's the new thing that you're going to do? What are you going to change? And I don't think Syracuse has been able to do that. Uh, I think Dino Babers has maybe been a little stubborn in, in how he's done some certain things, but you know, it, it's tough. It's a it's a it's a multi million dollar business, man. So and it's not <laughs> I've said this before too. It ain't show friends, it's show business. So you gotta be able to win and put a product on there that people are gonna wanna come to see, people are gonna wanna come to play for, people are gonna wanna, you know, pay you know, pay to buy Yeah, and I always like to monitor the Syracuse's, Rutgers, Pittsburgh, the Northeast programs because it's very, very similar to BC. So, um, yeah, that's it's going to be interesting to follow, especially from a BC perspective. Okay, Scott, thanks so much for uh, joining us on the podcast. Any Thanksgiving plans for your family, you and your family? Um, we're going to be together, which is great. We haven't, the whole family, for various reasons, has not been together for the last month. Um, there you so go. It's going to be great to, to have everyone together. We're going to be next door at our neighbor's house, who are BC grads. One's a BC undergrad, a year older than me, and another one's a BC uh, postgrad. So 
we've spent some Thanksgivings with them already. So I'm going to fry a turkey, which is my specialty. I've been doing that for 15, 20 years now, I think. There so you go. I got my own turkey fryer. I'll be doing that. Uh, we'll head there, and then a bunch of people are going to go to the game on Friday because it's the perfect time. It's Friday at noon. Uh, I was hoping my older two boys were going to make their first football game of the year, but unfortunately they got hockey practice double sessions the day after, so uh, <laughs> they will not be in attendance. <laughs> Next year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But my younger guy will be there. He'll, he'll, he's only missed one home game, so kudos to him. So. There you go. Always a busy weekend, I'm sure, for you too, the rest of the weekend as well after that. So appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I'll be excited, though, man. This is I love Thanksgiving. I actually, one of the things I really do enjoy um, – is about Massachusetts is the whole, the high school playing games on um, Thanksgiving. Yes. I think that's always really cool to uh, go wake up and go see. You know, uh, I live in Norwell, so Norwell plays Hanover, so we'll be able to go see that game. Two pretty good teams, uh, by the way. Uh, that'll be playing, so that'll be fun to see. Uh, even though the, you know, obviously my boys don't go to Norwell, but you still have a lot of friends in the community and. Yeah, and, and all that, but it's, it's fun to see uh, a couple great games. I mean, you got two BC guys so, pseudo going against each other on Thanksgiving, and for the Super Bowl with Severian and St. John's Prep. Um, what, you know, who do you who do you have? Who, what players? Well, no, you got Brian St. Pierre, who's an old friend. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Quarterback yeah. colleagues who I've all, I've stayed in touch with a lot. I'm such a I'm such a big fan of Brian. Mm-hmm. He's such a good he's a good person. He's a great coach. Um, and then Matt Hasselbeck's son. Um, Henry is playing at the very end, so I obviously stayed in touch with Matt. You know, that's a big game for them, playing for a state championship. It's something that, you know, high school kids always remember. Um, Henry's doing great at the very end. Um, it's great to see him play. They've had a lot of injuries, I know, and he's really been a great leader for that team. Uh, so it's going to be, you know, it's going to be cool. It's tough. It's, it's, it's tough. I'm not going to – it's going to be tough because you're not cheering for anybody because, I, I, you know, I'm friends with both guys, but I want to see, you know – I want to see them do well, but it's, you know you want to see a good game, and they'll play again in Gillette, I think, next weekend. So that'll be pretty cool. But uh, yeah, that's that's one of the cool things. One of the great things about where I was in Cleveland is we would have a tradition at my high school that uh, they always rally around the football team. It's still it's still to this day, which is just great to see. It's such a sport that you know the, the memories and relationships you build there are it truly lasts a lifetime. It's not something that's just you know you play a season and move on. It's it's something you carry with you forever. Yeah, no no doubt about it. Well said. It's always a great reunion time. Football, friends, a great holiday. Well, I, I think it's my favorite holiday. Is it up there football for you? Friends, football, friends, and food, man. Triple F. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, Scott. We appreciate it, man. Friday afternoon, 12 noon. You can hear him on Learfield. Scott Mutrin, thanks so much. Mikey, well, you have a great uh, Thanksgiving as well. Hopefully, you have fun. What are you doing? And uh, well, get. I'm glad you're feeling better. But what are you, what are you doing for your Thanksgiving? Yeah, I'm going to be local. My family Thursday, and the plan is to be in Chestnut Hill Friday afternoon. All right. Well, we'll see you there. All right, man. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Mike. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm, based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.